This is the Double Scoop Podcast on KWNK 97.7 FM, Reno's community radio station. Our guest today is Aaron Hurdle. Aaron is a painter. He's also a painting instructor at UNR. He has a show right now at the Oats Park Art Center in Fallon, which if you've never been there, this is one of the coolest things in all of Nevada. You gotta drive out there. It's worth the drive, I promise. So he's got a show there in this beautiful gallery. And we're gonna find out what's up with Aaron. So welcome. I'm glad you're here. Thank yeah, you. Yeah, I'm happy to be here. Thank you. First, I want to give listeners a sense of what your show looks like. Mm -hmm. So can we do this together? Like we'll kind of build a picture for them. So it's paintings. They're oil paintings and they've got that uh, almost like majestic like oil painting look. Like there's a bit of gravitas about an oil painting. And they're paintings of Nevada landscape. They're sagebrush and hills and vistas. And it's cool. They're kind of realistic, but they're a little bit abstract. Mm-hmm. How am I doing so far? No, what? perfect. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And so this, this I think, is the most amazing thing about them. The way that you use colors, are in, they're not exactly the right colors. They're not exactly those colors that the landscape is, mm-hmm. but they're, they're shifted a little bit. Mm-hmm. But somehow they have as much uh, like authority as if they were the real colors and they make me feel like I'm there. That's good, yeah. That, is, that, is that right? Uh, yeah, I, yeah, I hope so, yeah. <laughs> okay, what else should people know about how they look, like how they can picture um, them? I, I guess that is a really good way of describing them. I, I do think that the, the palette that I'm working with, the colors that I'm working with is derived from the landscape, but then I, I think I apply it in a little bit more of a subjective way to the overall look that like skies might be green, but again, it's it's a green that I either see or think of being present within that landscape i guess i just don't feel compelled to necessarily like make the sky blue i want to use that color as a way of maybe expressing a little bit more of an emotional content than depicting what is i guess really supposed to be there one of the things that sticks with me here is because we have so many bright blue kind of cloudless days in in northern nevada that the days where we're kind of like we have a lot of smoke because of forest fires or you know brush fires or it's really foggy for some reason which doesn't seem like it happens very often those kind of stick in in my head and then i think become a little bit of an inspiration for these these paintings like the, that kind of where something so familiar just feels just a little bit off Oh, uh, I know what you mean. Like on those really foggy days it feels so special yeah. and you do remember those. And in a space that you're so so familiar with just seems a little bit foreign. Okay, so is this on purpose? Your your water bottle and your shirt and your hoodie are all all they're all those same colors that are in your landscape. I'm just scared of real color, <laughs> just like muted tones. Yeah, I thought you were maybe one with the paintings and your fashion choices. Take us back like 10, 15 years. Your paintings looked quite a lot different mm-hmm, then. Mm-hmm. Describe to somebody who hasn't seen them, like what 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 was like a classic RN painting like back the, back in the day, like the Chapter House time. Yeah, so. yeah. Oh wait, wait, wait. Hold on. Yeah. Why don't we explain what Chapter House is? <laughs> okay. okay. So RN, explain what Chapter House uh, is. After I graduated with my BFA from the Savannah College of Art and Design, some friends of mine and myself that we we'd been kind of doing little shows or interested in doing shows, and we decided to move back here. I don't know why they all followed me back here, but I moved back with Billy Nicky and Nick Ferneris, who are my good friends from Savannah. And we 
pretty much came to Reno to open an art gallery. And our first sort of chapter house location was in the alley behind First Street, below the parking garage. And so we were there for a while and had several shows there. And then later moved to our location kind of over by where Ace's Tattoo is now on, is that St. Lawrence? Yeah, and this in gets you t- house. to yeah. like 2004-ish. That was probably around 2004, 2000, yeah, 2004, I think. And was, that was the same space that Neverender later uh, inhabited, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. Yeah. And so, I think it was Stubworts, the the record shop before that, before yeah. us, yeah. So back in the Chapter House days, mm-hmm. tell us more about what your work did look like so, then. I, I think that was kind of, a result of going through the illustration program. I kind of went into illustration at SCAD because I was really interested in representational work, which wasn't really super popular in in the painting departments back then. And the the illustration program also kind of taught more more technique. So I was interested in that, but just trying to develop an illustrative style around that time. And I just kind of mushed two of my interests together, which was cartoons like Calvin and Hobbes and stuff like that, and kind of Renaissance paintings. So trying to paint, I don't know, these cartoony type things in in, in a kind of, I don't know, proper-ish oil painting approach. Yeah. And 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 it certainly fell into the whole pop surrealism, high fructose, juxtapose type of scene that was happening back then. And there was, there's, still, there's just something about oil paintings. They've got, like, I keep thinking the word is gravitas. Like, they've got yeah. this, like, I don't know, they really register. They've got this weight. The, I hate yeah, to say the, importance, but they've, they've kind of got that, like, <laughs> the weight of history. And it, it, it brings you somewhere just oh, to look at an oil painting. Definitely. And I think that's one of the great things is, like, as an oil painter, you can kind of look back. You know, there's been so many great oil painters for so long. There is that sort of feeling that you are you know, embracing something that's been around for a while. And I I think it's just kind of the way that the material actually works. The colors are a little bit richer than other paints and it kind of holds its body a little bit more than other paints and doesn't collapse the way that acrylic does if you kind of build it up thick. Could you rattle off like maybe three, four, five of your top favorite oil painters for people sitting there on Wikipedia going, I want to look up something right now. Uh, Rembrandt, John Singer Sargent, not an oil painter, but I really, really like Andrew Wyeth a lot. And and then I guess now there, there's so many great oil painters now. I'm trying to think. Martin Whitfooth is doing some really interesting things. I don't know. There's so much art. I, I feel like I, I just try to look at so much stuff all the time, just bo- both to be able to reference for my students. And also, I mean, I don't know. I'm an artist. I'm married to an artist. I teach art. I make art. Like, it just seems like it's it's pretty much all I do <laughs> or pay attention to as well. And you accidentally give homework to listeners on yeah. the radio <laughs> like you just did. You have homework now, yeah, listeners. Look them up. You're listening to the Double Scoop Podcast on KWNK 97.7, Reno's community radio station. I'm your host, Chris Wagner. Double Scoop is the news outlet that covers the visual arts all over Nevada. Can we talk for a minute about painting education? Mm-hmm. You've been teaching painting for a while. Has has it changed? Like, ha, What are students thinking about right now, painting students? And is it different than what painting students used to be thinking about? Like, is the job different for you? Is it all the same? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I think so. I mean, I guess I've been at UNR. I started teaching in 2006 with my when I started my grad program. And I, I think... I've certainly seen a change over that time. I think one of the biggest things is is actually that I think both in the art world and 
the interest of my students is is a return to kind of like naturalism and representational stuff and maybe a little bit more of an interest in learning a technical approach to to oil painting or to, to acrylic painting as well. I think that largely, or at least it felt like when I was in my undergrad, that it was kind of a, a very open-ended sort of figure it out type of approach from faculty. So it was um, more about the philosophy and the yeah. uh, like the theory than, the, so. than about technique. Yeah. And I mean, honestly, I do think there's a lot of interesting stuff that can be discovered through that sort of exploration without having this technical approach. I don't know. I, I, I think I fit somewhere in the middle now. I think that if you can get, if you get overly academic in terms of teaching technique, I, I feel like it kind of locks people in. Like, this is the way that you have to do something. Yeah. When we also have this like 90 or 100 year history of I don't know, abstraction and exploration of what paint can do, aside from this kind of like more, I don't know, quote unquote, traditional manner of painting. Let's go back to um, the, the chapter house, your gallery mm-hmm. that you mentioned. I noticed that at the time there were a handful of those galleries run by artists mm-hmm. in little spaces wherever you could get a place or like a storefront gallery. And I can't think of any that are going on now or in recent years. Mm-hmm. What do you think is up? Do you think it's just a matter of real estate prices making it too difficult to do? Yeah, I, I mean, I hope so. I mean, I, I mean, I, not that I hope the <laughs> real estate prices are high. <laughs> I think so. It must be because I think that anybody creative has always been I think, inclined to try to cut out a space for themselves, either to work or to exhibit or play music shows, whatever it is. And I think it was kind of, I wouldn't say it was easy to do back then, but affordable. When we did the chapter house, initially it was the three of us, and then later on Elijah Cole joined us. And so for three people, four people to kind of pool our money together from our weird little jobs that we had aside from art and be able to have a space that we could have art shows in didn't seem that bad. I mean, we weren't making money at our jobs that much, but, you know, working at, you know, coffee shops, I loaded trucks for a while and drove a forklift and stuff like that. But I think it has to be the money side of it now or the availability of space because I think people would still do it if they could. Are students and younger artists, you think, finding different kinds of online outlets or different versions of that old style of artist-run gallery? I think so. I mean, certainly Instagram, and I'm sure there's a whole bunch more that I don't know about being, you know, a 40-year-old right now. But I think so. I, I think that there's something really great about that, that you can get your work in front of people so easily. Do worry that the sort of experience of seeing like the surface of art or the the scale of it, it kind of gets, you know, obviously lost in looking at your TV or your, your, not TV screen, your phone screen or your iPad or whatever it is. I remember kind of being younger and seeing Rothko's in my textbook, small, and I didn't get it at all. Like, I, I think I understood the color theory stuff behind it, but I didn't understand why it was so important or people would talk about having this emotional response to it. And then as soon as you see one in real life, you get it all of a sudden. Did you get to see one? Oh, yeah. Where well, did you see and, it? NMA had that one, but, you know, we've, we've gone to New York several times. Today. What was that like? How was it different to see it in person? I don't know. Like, from, like, a paint nerd side of, like, side of it, just the richness of the color, the depth of the color, how the colors are working together with each other or, you know, 
opposition of each other. I don't know. You you, you feel something standing in front of you. And it kind of takes up your whole space. Like you... it's bigger than you, right? Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And I worry that if if people's only interaction with art is on small screens, you're just not going to get it. Like you're not going to really get it. And they're with your paintings that are at Oates Park right now. There's just something really just powerful about seeing them and seeing the way the surfaces shine and and just standing right next to them. Yeah, there's, I talk about it with my students and friends and stuff, but there's sort of surface quality of art that is so unexplainable. Just the way that something feels or the way that you can kind of look through the painting and understand how it was kind of put together. And I, I don't know, it's kind of like, half the illusion is kind of broken because you can look at and see the strokes being that the artist has put down but also like there's some there's some sort of magic in that too like that it's understandable but you kind of can't put your finger on it yeah and i'm always aware that this conversation makes me sound like the old person going oh get off your screens kids (laughs) but there it really is just something about being next to a sculpture or being like just experience in painting without yeah. that that um that step of mediation it's really cool if well, anybody was wondering if i'm super old there you go. <laughs> <laughs> well you know and, and i think that's important i mean I, I like oftentimes like artists will take a photograph of their painting while they're working on it because there's this immediate kind of removal from the work in whatever that screen does is it, it you know if i'm painting on something and i take a photograph of it i feel like i'm seeing it through different eyes if that makes sense. And so if it can if it can do that to me, the person who's actually putting the paint on the canvas, I, I mean, I imagine what it, you know, does for viewers. Good point, but. yeah. So what's next for you? What are you working on now? What I'm really excited about with this new body of work that I'm doing with figurative stuff, with the camouflage patterns that I'm developing and the landscape, it seems like something that I could work on for a really long time. Would you describe um, what that looks like, too, for people who haven't seen it? The figurative stuff with the camouflage? or I guess with the camo, I started... Oh, there's so many different parts to this, I guess. But one was when, when working on kind of blocking in color on my landscapes, it started looking like patterns and like camouflage. And I thought that was... I had done a portrait of my friend Jackson Northern, who's also a great painter, a while back. And I put him in kind of a camouflage jacket. And I derived that camouflage pattern from kind of like Mount Rose topography because we kind of grew up at the base of Mount Rose. And so I I thought it was a way of adding a little bit of a personal element to pattern that you maybe wouldn't pay that much attention to. And I kind of like that. I sat on it for years trying to figure out what I liked about it. And then I think with this new series was thinking about landscape and that sort of like camouflage pattern as... one an abstraction of landscape and then also as if I was creating these camouflage patterns from a specific landscape that if a a person trying to kind of be close to it could wrap themselves in that camouflage as an homage or a I don't know what I think I think I called it reverential mimicry um, (laughs) that's a good term in in my exhibition stuff, but if people want to follow mm-hmm. your work and find out when you have events and shows coming up, what should they? Where should they find you? I think right now Instagram is probably the, the best one, so it's just Aaron Hurdle. Okay, um, so it's H A H R E N H E R T E L. Correct. Yeah. So that's where you can find. I have a website that I've been really bad about updating, <laughs> and so I need to do that. It's one of my 
one of my things now on the on the on the back side of this show that I want to remember that I have a website and put stuff on. <laughs> you never really clock out with this job. It's never the day doesn't really end. Does no. It? And I'm yeah. I need to. I need to, Jen's really good. My wife Jen is really good at putting lists together and staying on top of stuff. And I just, I don't know. I need to do that too because I, I I lose track of all the different parts that that being an artist kind of entails. I guess. I hear you. I make these really fantastic to do lists, mm-hmm. and they're really nicely formatted, and they're on this great clipboard. And then I forget they exist. Oh yeah, no, that's <laughs> what I do. I you know get like a moleskin little pocket thing and then it's a pain in the ass to carry around in your pocket and then two weeks later you're like oh this thing is nice what is it yeah (laughs) so there's these yeah amazing lists of things that i need to do um and but the main thing is remembering to keep that with me so that i have those lists but all right aaron hurdle thank you for being with us in the k-wing studios You've been listening to the Double Scoop Podcast on KWNK 97.7 Reno Community Radio. Double Scoop is an independent news source that covers the visual arts in Nevada. Follow us on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, and SoundCloud. Today's guest has been artist Aaron Hurdle. Big thanks to Reno musician Greg Gilmore for lending us the music clip. Our sound editor is Nico Wagner. I'm Chris Wagner. Thanks for listening. <laughs>